0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on flowcombat.com. I'm Daniel gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC was in Edmonton this past weekend for UFC 240. We'll be talking about all of the backlash from that card. We'll be talking about what Max Holloway does next, what Chris Cyborg does next, and all kinds of other stuff. Plus, we will be talking about UFC in Newark. That's right, UFC's heading to Newark this weekend for UFC on ESPN5. And we'll be talking to two of the fighters, both of which are in the co-main event against each other. We'll be talking with Jim Miller... And Clay Guida, two savvy veterans destined for an absolute banger of a showdown. But before we get to any of that content, we got to remind you that this episode is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. Go to ADKFightwear.com, use promo code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, and you're going to get 20% off high quality grappling gear. And let me tell you something, there are a lot of places where you can get high quality grappling gear out there. There's a lot of places where you can get cheap grappling gear out there, but there is no place... Better than adkfightwear.com that gets you high quality grappling gear for very low prices. Listen, their Rash Guard, their Arm Bars and Stripes Rash Guard, you can get for just 25 bucks. That's right, 25 bucks for a high quality Rash Guard. And then you can use our promo code TURTLE and get it for just 20 bucks. That's right, just $20 for a high-quality rash guard. And I've had this thing for a really long time. The stitches hold up. It doesn't fray. It stands up against the test of time. So if you want grappling gear that stands up against the test of time, whether it's geese, spats, rash guards, or shorts, head on over to ADKfightwear.com and use promo code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase. Tell them Dave and Gumby sent you. This is Daniel Gumby-Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jim Miller, who fights Clay Guida this weekend at UFC on ESPN5. So, Jim, this is going to be your 33rd UFC fight. You're officially going to pass Donald Cerrone and take back the lead in the record. I, I want to ask, who walks away first, you or Cowboy Cerrone? <laughs> uh, you know what? You uh... know what? It's
1: it's probably it's probably gonna be me. <laughs> I, I I expect Taroni to be like fifty, uh, and I don't know if I got that in me. <laughs> so you know, it's just one of those things. But uh, it it's cool to you know to be uh, the, the, there's only gonna be a small group of us that end up getting over thirty, um, you know, and and uh, I I think it's gonna be harder for the newer fighters coming into the UFC to get to that point. Um but uh yeah, I think it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's gonna be a cool list to be among them. um you know, I'm gonna try to stay ahead of them as long as I can. And and if if I got all the fights that I wanted, I think I've kind of been shelved a couple of times, you know, when they come back to the New Jersey, New York area. Um I'd I'd have a couple more at this point, but yeah, I, I don't wanna get into that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well yeah, and it, like you said, it's amazing in and of itself. Uh and you know, you wanna try to stay in front of them for as long as you possibly can is that sort of the goal now is to just stay busy and get as many fights or, or do you have bigger goals and bigger career aspirations here at the tail end?
1: Um, you know, it, it's, the goal has always been to be busy. Um, I, I would prefer to be fighting four times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've gone through kind of some, some different parts of my career where there was a time where I needed more time off in between fights. Um, but you know, before like 2000, 11. I mean, I was in the gym all the time anyway. Um, there wasn't a lot going on, you know, uh, we were, you know, our family was young, just starting a family. I hadn't, uh, opened the gym yet. So there wasn't a lot that pulled me away. Now, now there are a lot of things that kind of pull me away. And, and, uh, if I don't have a fight, it's, it's harder to be as active in the gym, um, without that fight coming up. But, uh, I want that fight. I want to be in there. I want to keep training because, you know, it's, it's better for me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's, it's harder to get back into shape these days. So I'd rather just be in it and, you know, come out of this fight, uh, you know, the third and a week later, be told that I've got something coming up in a few weeks, you know, after that, um, that, that would be ideal for me, you know, just to keep going as long as I can, you know, stay healthy and, and, uh, you know, not, not, deal with any stupid injuries
0: and so i imagine too you know you, you said you'd like one you know it's a week after if possible uh are you looking to get one in between madison square garden because i assume you want on that madison square garden card as well
1: um i mean it'd be cool you know it'd be cool to be on that card um new york's not my favorite commission though <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna be perfectly honest. uh you know i'm, I'm not really concerned about where i'm fighting um, it, 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 it's, it's not a big deal to me, you know, obviously dealing with some of the travel, uh, going overseas can be a little bit of a pain, pain in the butt. But, um, when it comes to commissions in, in, uh, inside the U S and, you know, uh, even Canada, uh, yeah, New York is, is probably my least favorite to deal with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and, and you know, obviously, their, their issues have been well documented, especially because you know yeah. they're one of the youngest commissions ever. But is there something in particular that bothers you about them? Uh,
1: they they're just trying to reinvent the wheels, you know. I mean, when when I fought um, Alves, uh, you know, they didn't tell anybody about their rule that you had to be within five pounds for the for a catchweight fight to go on uh, until the morning of weighing. And that just... It, it seems like a really ridiculous thing to not let the fighters know, not let the promotion know. Um, and then, you know, and then I've had to deal with the... Uh, some of the post-fight stuff, you know, like um, just them, them being a the pain in the butt and having to jump through some really difficult hoops to jump through, <laughs> uh, you know, for for uh, getting cleared for the next fight and stuff like that. So it's just, it's just been... They're just a, a commission that I don't really like dealing with, but but if the if the fight is offered, I'll probably do it. You know, anyway. So it's uh, just one of those things. But I'm I'm not I'm not like I'm not gunning the fight on that card. I I just rather I I'd like to fight around that time though. So you know, whatever whatever happens, happens.
0: Absolutely. Now I want to talk about this upcoming fight too, because this fight with Clay Guida has got a lot of people excited because you you two have been in the UFC together for seemingly forever, and, and when they announced the mm-hmm. fight, a lot of people said. I can't believe this fight hasn't been booked before because, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, you guys have been there forever. Yeah. Has he ever been on your radar to fight in the past? Is Has it ever been close to being made?
1: It actually, uh, it actually has been close to being made. Um, Clay is the only fight that I've ever turned down. And uh, the way that it happened, it was uh, when Frankie and Gray were supposed to fight uh, in the rematch for the title. Uh, that was after I fought Kamal Shalroos. I came out of that fight or went into that fight really banged up. And that was one of those times where I needed some time off. Um, ended up doing some, uh, renovations around my house and stuff like that. So I hadn't been training and, uh, Joe Silva called me up and he's like, yeah, you want to fight Clay in a week? <laughs> Cause I guess, uh, Gray had pulled out. So they were going to move Pettison to fight Frankie. And then I was going to fight Clay um, and then, you know, what ended up happening is Frankie pulled out too, to get, uh, to his surgery as well. So it ended up not materializing, but, uh, I'm like, no way, man. Like I, I ha- I literally had not been in the gym for like eight weeks. Um, so it was like, I got, I got, I got a little flack for that, but, uh, you know, it ended up not having to materialize, but, um, but yeah, that, that was the, that was the only time that it's ever been on the radar. And, um, yeah, the, it, it's one of the things that we, we could have fought in 2008 wow, <laughs> you know and, and and it's just like yeah it's just over the years it's it it's just never come up uh, you know he was down at 45 for a bit there but uh yeah you know it's, it's a fight that that easily could have happened 10 years ago
0: yeah and in, in a 33 fight career I'm sure there's been tons of things that almost happened or, or did happen that you wish didn't happen is there anything that sticks out to you in your career that you you would go back and change if you could
2: Um, you
1: you know, fighting, fighting again with some of the stuff that I've had, making, making better decisions, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, like I, I, uh, I, I would have liked to have, uh, been a little smarter, you know, back in those days and, and, and not just like, Oh, I feel like crap. Well, it's part of, part of training camp. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing of it is, is like, I, I like to fight and I understand what this, this business is, you know, it's, uh, it, the, you have these limited amount of opportunities and, you know, some guys they do make careers and they do make a lot of money off of being very selective about it. Um, you know, when they fight and and all that stuff and and who they fight. Um, but for me, it's always just been like, I, I just want every opportunity. Um, so, you know, that's what I do. I, I, I jump at it. Um, you know, and, and I mean, this one came up pretty quickly as well. You know, the last the last few have come up quickly. Um, so you know, that's what I'm gonna do. If I if I have the opportunity to fight, let's do it. And, and uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna show up as best as I can and and uh and leave everything I got inside the octagon.
0: Now I know you're not usually one who who makes fight predictions, but do you have a way that you you envision this fight going with Clay Guina?
1: Um, you know, I, I, I know what he's going to try to do. You know, Clay is a he's he's an interesting fight. He's he's got a he's got a particular set of skills, you know. I mean he comes in and he fights hard and he's constantly moving from bell to bell. Um, he's beaten some really tough dudes. Um, but he's also, you know, he's dropped a few uh to, to guys that weren't on the level of some of the guys that he's beaten. Um, you know, so it's it's uh, I know what I know what to expect from him. Um, I feel that I have a striking advantage. I feel that I have a grappling advantage. Um, you know, it's, it's just a matter of doing my thing, you know, and, and, uh, I'm feeling really good and, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> hopefully it's the first mistake he makes. I put him away and that's, that's the way it goes, but, uh, you know, I'm prepared for that, that 15 minute grind.
0: Absolutely. Now, I also wanted to ask you real quick before I let you go. So, you're a guy who if you follow Jim Miller on Instagram, it seems like there's a delicious piece of meat on his Instagram every <laughs> 10 minutes. And also, I know you're a type of guy who brews your own beer occasionally. You you enjoy mm. a, a good Frosty beverage as well. Is there anything you're looking forward to the most when fight camp is over?
1: Um, pretty much like every fight. Uh, after the fight, we, we go out, we get some food, and it's like a bacon cheeseburger and a beer and some buffalo wings (laughs) it's pretty uh it's 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 pretty regular that's that's what i end up eating the the toughest part is sometimes when your mouth is all chewed up from getting punched and you're eating buffalo wings it's it's, uh it's it's pain and pleasure
0: Well, you'll have to make sure that your mouth doesn't get punched up, and if you put Clay Guida away fast enough, that'll make sure it doesn't. Uh, Well, Jim, thank you so much for the time. Once again, this is Jim Miller, who fights Clay Guida at UFC on ESPN5 in Newark, New Jersey. Jim, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: This is Daniel gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Clay Guida, who fights Jim Miller at UFC on ESPN5 in Newark, New Jersey. Clay, you're a new UFC Hall of Famer. You're on the fight wing with that fight with Diego Sanchez, which was an absolute classic. What was that whole experience like during International Fight Week?
3: Uh, man, first of all, thank you for the great introduction, and uh, it couldn't have been at a better place uh in a better time um at a better event and uh you know it was just an incredible arena too it was where you know the fight took place 10 years ago the battle between Diego Sanchez and I and um, you know to be inducted, I wouldn't have wanted to have been able, uh, been inducted with anyone else on the uh, <clears throat> other side of the cage than Diego because that fight will go down is going down in the record books forever and uh that was a fight for the ages and to be introduced and inducted alongside um the great Rich Franklin, you know, the former champion, Rashad Evans and Michael Bisping. It was just uh, an all-star cast, an all-star weekend, which included my family, friends, coaches, teammates from all over the country, all over the world came in for it. And um, the UFC did such a great job with, uh, you know, with the ceremony, with the production, everything. John Anik did such an awesome job introducing everybody and really setting the stage for what was – a night I'll remember forever, and uh, you know, having my parents and family front row right there. Yeah, man, it's surreal. It's, it's amazing. It uh, you know, <laughs> it's already been two two and a half weeks or something. I feel like it was uh, just yesterday. I was uh, trying to memorize my speech for the induction. <laughs> uh, so a lot easier. I tell you, it's a lot easier to go out there and compete, and fight, than it is to um, speak in front of a large audience like that on such a special moment in your life you know even though it's just telling a story it it goes beyond that and you really want to make sure you give attention to the people that made it all possible and everyone that was there from the get-go from the beginning all through the journey you know and uh, they're still there to this day those are the ones that 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 night was all about it wasn't about me it wasn't about Diego it wasn't about the, you know it was about the, you know the collaboration the the coming together of, of friends and family and, uh, you know, fans that uh, have really been alongside us for so many years, over a decade now we've been in the UFC and, um, uh, yeah, I really got to thank the UFC, the fans, Diego, and, um, uh, you know, the the hall of famers or the, you know, the owners for inducting us and Dana White for making it all possible and the Fertitta brothers.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you, you said that it was a journey. Now I, I want to talk a little bit about that journey too, because it's been a long career for you, especially in the UFC, and here you are standing across the cage coming up in Newark against the guy who's been in the cage 33 times. This will be his thirty-three time, 33rd time in Jim Miller. It, it's sort of shocking that you guys have never fought before. He mentioned a little bit that you, you were on his radar at one point in time and a fight was offered to him. Do, do you wish you could have gotten to fight him a little bit earlier in your career? No,
3: I think timing is everything. You know, I mean, of course, I would wish we could have fought before, and you know, maybe a rematch by now. But uh, yeah, we've been on a crash course since day one. I got in, the, made a UFC debut at UFC 64, I believe he made his not long after. And um, man, it's just been a whirlwind. It's amazing we haven't met up yet. We've been very close. We've we have nine or ten uh, mutual opponents, so it's just uh <laughs> it's amazing we haven't tangled horns yet. And um, I think, uh, you know, it's been worth the wait, and the fans are going to get what they deserve. And Jim is one of the good guys. He's um, a savvy veteran, a great competitor, all-around,
0: well-rounded fighter. And, uh,
3: man, we're really going to put on a show uh, come next weekend for ESPN5.
1: And
0: and we're excited for that show, too. Now, I want to take something back a little bit here. You mentioned that you made your UFC debut all the way back at UFC 64. Uh, you know, you've been in the UFC, it seems like, forever at this point. But you're on a nice little run here, too. You're 3-1 you're and one in the lightweight division since moving back with just a, a setback on, on getting caught in a, a guillotine. You're looking better and better being at Alpha Male. What's sort of your goals here towards the end of your career? Are, are we looking to make another run at the title, or are we just looking for those exciting fights and people like Jim Miller?
3: We're making a run as we speak, man. People have uh, maybe counted us out, and that's fine, because that's when we come up and we uh, surprise them. But that's no surprise to us. My training staff, my coaches, my teammates, they all know what we're here to do every day. We're putting in the work. We're getting the results, and we're fighting tooth and nail because I don't rest easy, you know. And I haven't had gold since I was in force And, um, man, I need that again before uh, before I hang up the gloves. And we got a long, long time left. You know, a lot of people start talking about Bringing up the R word, and I tell you what, that's further away from the truth right now than ever, because I'm in better shape now than when I was 21, I'm in better shape now than when I was 25, I'm more mature in the fight game, and uh, we're improving so rapidly, and uh, like I keep saying, man, the Hall of Fame is one thing, but the best is yet to come.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, you're making huge gains and that you're doing better than even when you were 25. How much of that is the experience of having all those fights under your belt? And how much of it is the recent move to Alpha Male? Because we've seen uh, market improvements in your striking since you've moved there.
3: Oh, absolutely. It's been a huge, huge, uh, you know, part of, you know, my improvements and, um, I, I owe so much to the coaching staff, to Uriah Faber, to Coach Joey Rodriguez, Danny Castillo, Chris Holdsworth, um, Mike Malat, Alex Munoz, Lee Kemp, that's been our three-time world champion wrestler. Um, it's just the list goes on and on, and not to mention, you know, our teammates. And you see guys that have had success as of late. Um, you know, Andre Feely just came off a huge win. Josh Emmett coming off another impressive victory. Um, you know, the likes I get to train with guys like Darren Elkins every day. Um, you know, I get the train with uh, with Song, uh, who just had a huge win in his UFC, um, you know, in Vegas after coming off, uh, you know, an injury. And uh, you know, Chad Mendes, Cody Garbrick, its uh—it's the who's who over here, and <laughs> the the stable just keeps getting better and tougher. And we're fighting as often as possible because we're beating guys, we're finishing guys, and um, you know, people want to see the alpha male, the alpha midgets uh, compete more and more. So we're one of the not only are we one of the most competitive uh gyms in the world we're one of the most popular and people want to see us get out there and mix it up and um I'll wrestle and out strike these guys so it's been yeah it, i owe it all to uh you know <laughs> the work that um the coaching staff at team uh team alpha male has done and put in with me
0: you know you mentioned a lot of wins in there too with a, a lot of good good fighters but the one that i was hoping you had mentioned was uriah Faber coming back in a big way what was it like watching that uh as a part of his team now
3: I got to say, I'm not surprised at least that I expected it. Uriah is one of those guys who is married to the gym. That guy hadn't missed a workout in two and a half years, you know, at least a jiu-jitsu workout or wrestling practice. It's like, even though he wasn't doing the striking as much, you know, for obvious reasons, you don't need to be taking unnecessary damage and blows to the head all the time when you don't have a fight scheduled. Um, but he is one of those guys who is so dedicated to not only learning and developing, but passing on the skills and being there with the gym members, you know, cause this is his livelihood as well as just being a fighter. He is also a coach. Um, he's a trainer. He's a father now. And, uh, you know, this, that, that gym is, it runs like a well-oiled machine because of Uriah, because of his partners and Tommy Sherkamp and, uh, Dave Rowan and the guys, you know, at ultimate fitness and the, um, the managers that they brought in and, it's a, it's a testament to, uh, you know, Faber's, um, you know, his fighting spirit and just how generous he is to those around him, to the city of Sacramento. And, uh, man, I, I expected him to go out there and handle that guy. I knew Simon's was going to be tough, but uh, Favor hasn't skipped a beat. And he, you know what? This kid, <laughs> I can call him a kid, you know, because he still keeps improving like one. It's unbelievable, the athleticism, the dedication – the commitment that he has made to himself to his family to his gym and to the sport of mixed martial arts it's like he's a ageless the ageless wonder
0: mm-hmm. absolutely now i, I want to return it to talking about you before we let you go here because this is such an exciting fight coming up on a big card clay Guina versus jim miller if you had to predict how this fight was going to go if everything went along to your plans how do you see this one shaking out
3: You better watch for an awesome grappling match. That's all I can say. And expect to see my hand raised at the end and expect the fans to be going bananas and wanting two or three more rounds.
0: All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Clay Guida fights Jim Miller at UFC on ESPN 5 in Newark. Clay, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you guys so much. And be sure to check out our new fishing and adventuring entertainment guide service I just started gills and thrills of guida check it out on instagram guys we're gonna be booking trips with athletes MMA fighters boxers uh wrestlers musicians we're taking fans out fishing clients out fishing and we're taking them to concerts sporting events and ufc events at night so check it out gillsandthrills.com
0: and those interviews with jim miller and clay guida are brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E, Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu enthusiast. Wait a second, what's that? No longer is it just for the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu enthusiast, it is for martial arts enthusiasts across martial arts. That's right, whether you train Wing Chun, Kung Fu, Judo, Sambo, it doesn't matter what you train, this app is going to help you reach your goals. Let me tell you how it works. You're going to download it from whatever app store you use, then you're going to set up your profile, which asks you what your major training method is, maybe who your instructor is, and what your belt level is. And then once you have that, you can log your training sessions, which is awesome because it allows you to know whether or not you're doing more training month-to-month, less training month-to-month, and it gives you updates on stuff like that, as well as updates from your friends, all kinds of other things like logging competitions and weights and things like that. All together, Maroon Social is the one and only way to make sure that you are making the advancements in martial arts you want to. So make sure you download that app. Now, I am Daniel Gumby-Vreeland, once again, joined by Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I want to start by talking about Jim Miller. How badass is Jim Miller? The dude has had 33 UFC fights. And he's only ever turned down one fight.
2: You know what? It doesn't even surprise me, Gumby. He's a man's man is what he is. He packs his lunch. He comes to work. He's blue collar. So the fact that he turned down one fight, that's actually almost shocking to me. I would have thought he's never turned down a fight.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the reason is good. Like, if you haven't been in the gym in eight weeks and they offer you Clay Guida, who's been preparing for Anthony Pettis at this point, which is pretty freaking crazy, too. Like... Obviously, you don't take that fight. And, and like, it's cool that it's happening now because uh, I'll be honest with you, these are two guys I've been watching fight for the better part of a decade for pretty much most of my UFC fandom. Uh, I'm excited to see it go down this weekend.
2: It really is an exciting fight. It's two legends, and we'll talk about legendary fighters a little bit later in our combat countdown. But right now, I'd like to get to our favorite segment on the show, Fastest Fight News. We deliver the news to you in under 15 minutes or less, or your podcast is free. And there's really no better place to start Gumby this week than UFC 240. Max Holloway getting it done against probably someone we're going to talk about in a little bit when we talk about UFC legends, the godfather of the UFC, in my opinion, Frankie Edgar. It was a fun main event. It was really Max's fight throughout most of it, kind of what was to be expected. But let's talk about where each fighter goes from here.
0: Uh, I I think for for Max, it's pretty obvious, right? Like, Alexander Volkanovsky weighed in to be the replacement for that fight. I I think he's the no-brainer contender at featherweight right now. For Max, it's difficult for me because... I could see it going one or two ways. He could either take a jump down and be the guy who we determine whether or not guys are guys by. And all I mean by that is, like, do you let him fight somebody like Josh Emmett and see if Josh Emmett is a guy? Or do you let him fight somebody like Calvin Cater and let, let us find out if Calvin Cater is a guy in the division? So, like there is that section of max but i don't or uh frankie rather but i don't think that's what frankie wants Uh, like frankie believes he is the best in the world and if that's the case i don't hate the idea of him going down to bantamweight you know like there's been talk about it it seems like he could probably make it i hate like suggesting that fighters go down a division but like wouldn't you want to see him fight uriah favor like, wouldn't you want to see him fight, you know, Petter Jan or Aljamain Sterling or, uh, you know, I think he trains with Marlon Mariah, so not him. But, like, there are a ton of exciting fights for him at Bantamweight, and I think it suits his, like, what he wants for his career better.
2: Well, I like how for you, you don't view him as a, a gatekeeper, you view him as a guy keeper. I like that phrase. Um, yeah, I, I thought that as I was watching the fight, Max. Him. I think it's Connor ever fought. Connor would have been too long for him. I almost wonder if the one thirty five cut just should have happened five years ago. Mm-hmm. I think later in his career, that extra ten pounds that could be a killer. So I'm fine with him taking fun fights at one forty five, but it'll be interesting to see. I don't even know if I have it emotionally in me for him to have another title run at one thirty five, only to it. see him lose. Oh god! It.
0: That, that, was, that, would be that was a brutal post-fight interview. Like, I watched that post-fight interview, and I thought to myself, I was like, this is the most uncomfortable I've been watching. Because, like, I, I was rooting for Max. Like, I, I like Max. I enjoy watching Max. I think, like, Max's run is good for the featherweight division. I want to see him fight Volkanovski. And then I watched Frankie lose, and that interview was heartbreaking. Yeah, it was
2: really sad to watch. Uh, also sad to watch – well, not really sad to watch – was Cyborg, uh, actually, there was nothing sad about this performance, but it could be <laughs> said to be her last performance. Cyborg ran through another girl, happens. Is this her last fight in the UFC?
0: Yeah, I, I 100% think that this is Cyborg's last fight in the UFC. Uh, it seems sad to say this, but, like, when when you think about what Cyborg is coming to the table about, and I, I've talked about this in, in past episodes as well, is that like she is coming off a brutal loss, followed up by like beating down but not finishing somebody we all thought she should have been able to finish, right? Like we all had Felicia Spencer getting knocked out there, and, and like so if she's not able to get Felicia Spencer out, and she got knocked out the time before that. She goes to the negotiating table with nothing. She goes to the negotiating table being like, here's what I'm worth. And you know the number is going to be huge. And the UFC is going to be like, okay, let Bellator pay you that. Because that's what's going to happen. Scott Coker is going to be like, he's going to see dollar signs because he thinks Cyborg is worth way more than Dana does.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I agree. I think that is probably how it plays out. That would be where the Vegas odds are favored. I think she's better off uh, in Bellator. She has a good relationship with Scott Coker. Uh, He's promoted her before. She never really Fit in the UFC, as evidenced by the fact that they, you know, got her, tried to make her cut down to like a dangerous 140, in hopes of getting her to 135. Nearly killed her. Didn't really want to fill out the 145 division ever. And then she lost to Amanda Nunes, which really helped Amanda Nunes kind of cement her legacy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the relationship was all that bad for the UFC, but it was never a fit. It never felt like a fit. Now, having said that, I think. She's better off in Bellator in the long run. But there is a money fight, which is the rematch with Nunes, for Nunes to prove it wasn't a fluke. And I'm not going to discount the idea that she works out a one-fight contract, does the Nunes fight, and then they take it from there, or they just walk away, and I think that's probably where the odds lie.
0: Yeah, I think think the price of a, a rematch there is going to be way higher in Cyborg's case than it is going to be in the UFC's case. So unless she's willing to take, you know, a huge discount, I don't see it happening.
2: Well, so that's the thing, though. I
0: actually think one for one, she'd make more in the UFC. You, you think so? Though? Like, she could walk to Coker, and Coker's going to, like, open up his wallet. Or, like, she honestly could just walk over to PFL and make a million dollars. It would take her one year well, to make a million dollars, because she she could right, enter her, the one, her, actually, and she wouldn't have to cut to forty five anymore. She could fight at fifty five. Also, the
2: freak show aspect of one and uh, and risen too could pay her. Oh but yeah, she could I fight Queen Raina over there. But when the UFC wants to make an offer, they can make an offer. It's really, I think the UFC could let her make, you know, X amount, maybe not a million, but it depends on the pay-per-view buys. And obviously there's a new monkey wrench in that with the ESPN model, which we don't think is doing as well. Uh, Social media numbers were down for UFC 240, by the way, as were the weigh-ins, if you want to, the views of the weigh-ins. And those are sometimes sort of, submetrics you can look at to predict a buy rate. Frankie also, when he's been in a featured uh, fight, has never been a huge draw. So that all being said, uh, yeah, you know, maybe four years ago, the UFC could say, we're going to give you this flat fee for this fight, but we'll cut you in on more pay-per-view points. And if it does, you know, for a women's fight, a solid 300K – Maybe she does walk away at, you know, $3 a buy or mm-hmm. something. She makes 900 k right there. That's probably not the case in the ESPN era. But I just have a feeling that if the UFC really wanted to make that fight happen, they can make her a sweet one-night offer and say, we'll go from there. If you lose, you walk away. If you win, we come up with a new contract.
0: Yeah, I think they could do it. I just don't think they're going to. Uh.
2: Speaking of going to, uh, Robbie Lawler, Kobe Covington are about to hook him up, and it looks like the winner will get a title shot. Your thoughts? So I I think
0: Kobe Covington has probably deserved a title shot for a while. It's interesting to me that Dana White says he gets a title shot if he beats Robbie, despite the fact that, like, I sort of thought they were going to go with Jorge Masvidal. The only thing I can think of is that maybe Leon Edwards has played himself into a fight with Jorge Masvidal, which to me... I think it's interesting. You get punched backstage. I, I sort of want to see the fight in a cage. Uh,
2: here's a fight I don't want to see. <laughs> BJ Penn fights Nick Lentz. Uh, we're going on a decade of losses for BJ Penn. Why was this fight booked?
0: Uh, This fight was booked for uh, the exact opposite reason why uh, Dana White doesn't want to see Luke Rockhold fight anymore. BJ Penn is losing, and BJ Penn is losing bad. <laughs> But B.J. Penn has not been knocked out in a while, and I think that that is an issue in why they're going to keep letting him fight until he either wins one and lays him down, or he starts getting brutally knocked out, right? Like, Ryan Hall submitted him, Clay Guida outworked him, like, there's a whole bunch of things that happened, but, like, he hasn't been brutally KO'd like Jan Blakovic knocked out Luke Rockhold, so... It's happening again. He's gonna get beat again. We're gonna see eight straight losses for the former champ. Uh, but it is what it is. All right. Well, let me
2: tell you what isn't what is it. What it isn't. What is what it is is better than a Nick versus a BJ Penn fight. And that's our combat countdown this week. We're taking on a new twist. It's gonna be more of a game, and I'm gonna be the first contestant. It could be a top 10. It could be a top five. We'll see how brutally I do if I can even make it to the top. Uh, But before we get to this combat countdown on the top company men in the UFC, the UFC's favorite employees, Gumby, tell the fans who might sponsor this combat countdown.
0: So this Combat Countdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Head to SISUGuard.com and get the only mouthguard where you can talk, breathe, and drink. All with that mouthguard up in your mouth. It is a feat of science. Tiny perforations allow you to breathe and drink whatever it is you're drinking without having to take that mouthguard out, getting all kinds of crazy germs on it while you do whatever athletic thing that you do. So head on over to their website, sisuguard.com. Make sure to use promo code Turtle 15 and get 15% off. All your mouth guard purchases. Now, I'm going to be taking over the combat countdown today because I'm the one who did the research. Now, I wanted to look at who are the men, who are the company men for the UFC? Who does the UFC love the most? Now, here's the criteria I had. First of all, I eliminated anybody who didn't fight their last 15 fights for the UFC. So if you're going to be a company man, you got to spend time with the company. So their last 15 fights had to have been in the UFC. Then I took those 63 fighters who have had their last 15 fights in the UFC. I ranked them by how many years they've been in the UFC, how many fights per year they've had, and because I know the UFC likes when people throw bombs or get hit by bombs, I put in how many strikes per minute were in their fights, either getting hit by or throwing themselves. So I ranked all three of those categories, one through 63, and then I took an average ranking. Okay, so we're going to have average ranking of the top five here in the, the UFC's company men list. So I've given Shockwave Dave the list. He has all 63 people written out that have had their last 15 fights in the UFC. And I'm going to begin by just asking him to name even one person on the list. He gets three strikes. And my goal for you... I'm going to say my over-under for you is going to be two and a half. I think you should be able to get three to consider this a win. So, Shockwave Dave, let's hear your first pick for somebody who you think is a company man. Well, I'm going to treat this much
2: like I would like it's a who wants to be a millionaire. I'm going to talk out loud with you, Regis Gumby, <laughs> uh, in this Now, one of the interesting factors here, and I'm looking at the list, and LOL at Damian Maya being in this, because you talk about strikes per minute. So I know someone like Maya is not going to be in there with the strikes per minute criteria. Uh, But I also, I take that category, and that says to me, who throws a lot of strikes? Well, generally speaking, it's probably not going to be a heavyweight. It's going to be someone with a high output, with a big gas tank. So I'm, I'm more leaning towards lower weight fighters. Anyway, the first person I'm going to put out there, and did we say that one criteria is length of time in the UFC, correct? Yeah. Years, fights per
0: year, and strikes per minute.
2: All right. Then I'm going to go with our uh, esteemed guest, uh, I'm going to go with Jim Miller as my first guest.
0: So I love to pick Jim Miller. He is in the top 10, but he is not in the top five. Jim Miller actually is in a tie for eighth place with, uh, well, I won't tell you who he's in a tie for eighth place. He is number five in fights per year. He's number 13 in the amount of years he's been in the UFC, but he's number 48 in his strikes per minute. The strikes per minute in his fights do not happen at a fast rate. Only 5.67 if you combine his and his opponent. So that one really screwed him and knocked him down the list a bit. So that's going to be strike one. No Jim Miller.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: No, no, no. We said top ten. Yes. Oh, oh. so we're going top ten. You you trust that you get. Okay. So then that, that one's on there. Ding. Okay, we'll count that. We're going top ten. I thought we were going top five. All right, top ten. Well, Jim I, Miller's on there. I He's asked, number nine. What? I, what I said was
2: how brutally I would do on it, but if I got someone on the first guess in the top 10, we're going top 10. All right, so, so we're, look, we're going
0: top 10. He's he's technically tied for number eight, but we'll call him number nine because we'll put the other one at eight. All right, next
2: guess. Uh, and by the way, we're making this up as we go along, which
0: is kind of interesting because, <laughs> yeah. well, it's all. So here we go, next guess. It's Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar is actually pretty far down the list Frankie Edgar did not make the top 10 so the problem with Frankie Edgar in this is that uh while he has been in the UFC for a really long time his fights per year are less than two. So he he ranked 36th in that category. And his output isn't as great as you would think it would be. And he also doesn't get hit by very much. So while Frankie Edgar you would think would be in there, because he doesn't fight as often, he's been hurt a couple of times, he's had some delays, he's not on there. So I'm going to give you one in the top ten, but now I'm going to give you a strike.
2: All right. Then, that's interesting how he actually... I wouldn't, you know, it's so true. Like, I guess he fights what? He, did he essentially average one to two per year? He, he
0: averaged just under two a year. Um, And only two people in the top ten averaged less than two a year.
2: All right.
0: Well, that leads me to my next guest, someone who I know has fought a lot.
2: The output, not so sure. If only they are counting WEC as part of the UFC. So I know he came over in 2011-ish with the WEC, but I'm going to go with Donald Cerrone.
0: Ding, 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 ding. That is number one on the list. Donald Cerrone, number one in fights per year. He's number 32 in years because he's only been in the UFC for like eight and a half years. But he is also eight in strikes per minute, landed or absorbed. Uh, That was good enough for number one overall on the list. Cowboy Cerrone. So you got number one in number nine on the list. All right, let's get a little bit more in the center of the pack. So
2: here's someone who I know has been around. I don't know so much about the year. It also feels like around 2011-ish, maybe at the beginning of the decade. But I know he fights a ton, and I know the strike should be there. I'm going to go Edson Barbosa.
0: Edson Barbosa is number six on the list. I'm very shocked that you got that one because he – he has fought just over two times a year, which puts him right almost middle of the pack. He's also middle of the pack in years, but the strikes are up there, right? He's got 8.19 <laughs> strikes thrown or landed or absorbed, which put him in a top 10. And as a result, he's number six. So now you've got one, six, and nine. And one strike, correct? And
2: only one strike. All right, well, my next guess is someone who also, I'm going heavy WEC here, but he's someone who just fights a ton. You know what? I'm talking about this out loud, and I was about to say Cub Swanson, but now that I think of it, he was injured, so I'm going to pull that back. I might reserve him for later. And actually, my next guess, one I'm more confident about than Cub, is Carlos
0: Condit. Ah, Carlos Condit, I think also uh, the amount of times he fought really cooked him here too. Because while you would think that Carlos Condit has fought like a ton of times, less than two times a year, he's only been in the UFC for nine times, and actually his strikes per minute aren't even that high. He's actually pretty far down the list. He's down near... So Carlos Condit has fought 1.45 times per year in his years in the UFC which is pretty damn low. Um, so, yeah, no, not Carlos Condit. That is strike number two. You're only at 30% of the top ten, and there's a couple in here I feel like you should probably get. All
2: right. Well, I'm having trouble with – I see some of these names, and I'm thinking they
0: just, like – like, I want to say Tony, but he's also been injured a shit ton. Oh, time. yeah. His, yeah I, I'm glad you, you sort of, like, nixed him out on your own because Tony Ferguson's fights per year – is one of the worst things I've seen.
2: (laughs) Then I'm going to have to go with, and I can't believe I'm pinning my last strike on this guy,
0: but I feel like he fights a ton. Charles Oliveira. Oh, Charles Oliveira is 16. He's just out. You're right, he does fight a ton. 2.4 times a year. He's been in the UFC for 10 years. Not a ton of strikes, which knocks him down a bunch. He's at like 6.19 strikes per minute. So he's like... You know, like one strike every 10 seconds, not super exciting. And I think that's the submission game that cooks you. So I, I'm going to hit you with the top 10, and you can tell me which one you're the most disappointed you didn't pick. So n- number one was Donald Cerrone, which you got correctly. Number two is Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier so what? fights two and a half times a year. And even though he doesn't fight that often, he there's the strikes per minute in his fights are almost 10 Wow. Okay, keep filling it out. All right, number three, Rafael Dos Anjos. Rafael Dos Anjos fights two and a third times a year. He's been in the UFC for 12 years, and while his strikes differential was low, the fact that he fights two and a third times a year bumped him way up. Okay,
2: keep it going. I'll
0: reserve comment till the end. All, All right, right off the list. number four is the guy who is number two in strikes per minute, and that's Max Holloway. Max Holloway fights over two and a half times a year, and he lands the second most amount of strikes on the list. Number five is Joe Lozon. Because even though he fights a little bit under two times a year, he has been in the UFC for 14 years, and he absorbs a ton of strikes. He might only land like three a minute, but he like gets hit by five. So that, that bumped him up the list. Then Edson Barboza, who you got correct. Here's another shocking one. Number seven, Michael Johnson fights over two times a minute. He's been in the UFC for 10 years, and he there's almost eight strikes per minute in his fights, which is pretty crazy. One you probably wouldn't have picked is number eight, who is tied with Jim Miller technically for number eight, and that's Nate Diaz, who even though Nate Diaz is way at the bottom of fights per year, he's high up there in uh, years he's been in the UFC, and it, the strikes are pretty freaking ridiculously high. He's a top 10 guy for strikes per minute, which is not surprising with the Stockton slap. And here's the most surprising one on the list. Number 10, just barely edging out Jeremy Stevens, is Jean Volante.
2: Jean Mm. Vellante
0: has two and a half fights a year. Would you have guessed Jean Vellante, two and a half strikes a year? I would not have. How about 10 strikes per minute? It's actually 9.6, but close to 10 strikes per minute. Would not have guessed that. And it
2: really throws a monkey wrench. He's the one person over 170, Mm. if you count, you Theronian Nate as over 170 so I am happy with my thinking that don't go for heavyweight but he's the exception to the rule there I'm pissed that I did not pick RDA or um, Max quicker but I was trying to think of like longer in the UFC so I effed that up I'll tell you what, though, that was fun. You're going to be putting out an article about that. Uh, Where can people maybe uh, look forward to reading it?
0: Um, I'm pretty sure this one's going to be on the MMA Manifesto. Uh, I'll give you guys the whole link to the spreadsheet and whatnot. Here's the most exciting part of it, too. So there are 63 fighters on this list. The, The thing that absolutely shocked me, the strikes per minute ranking that I had. So I said number two is Max Holloway. You want to take a stab at who's number one? Uh, for strikes per minute, uh... Either thrown or absorbed. Oh, either
2: thrown or absorbed. That's interesting. That's why Joe Malzahn um, went up, but, like... I, you know, I don't know. I, again, just... When I think strikes per minute, I think smaller, so I'm, like, almost tempted to say, like, a Very T.J. Small.
0: Dillashaw. You're right. Very small. Keep going.
2: okay. Uh, well, I was gonna say T.J. Dillashaw, but you didn't say that was correct, so I'll guess someone else also, uh... I will say, don't tell me Uriah Faber.
0: No, not Uriah Faber. Jessica Andrade. Oh, that makes sense. Very small, Jessica Andrade. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, and I'm also so Joanna didn't make the list just because of time in the UFC. Yeah, she, she she didn't have enough fights in the UFC. Yeah, I cut it down to everybody who um who was like I said at the beginning, they had to have 15 consecutive fights in the UFC.
2: All right, well, that was fun. We hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully you played along at home. Hit us up with your feedback on Twitter, at TopTurtle on the May. We're accepting both love and hate feedback. Be on the lookout for Gumby's article on this. Very interesting stuff. We're nerdy here, so we do nerd shit. Speaking of nerd shit, we got the UFC preview coming up. Gumby, why don't you give said UFC preview, but also let us know if any company sponsors it.
0: This UFC Newark preview is brought to you by Sheath Underwear. That's right, Sheath Underwear is changing the underwear game, and you can go to their website right now, sheathunderwear.com, use promo code FLOW for 20% off all of your underwear purchases. Now, uh, I want to start by talking about the main event of this fight. I actually like Robbie Lawler with the upset here at plus 200 against Colby Covington. And and sort of the reason I like it is, I don't think Colby's going to wrestle him up, and, and Colby's striking really, really did not look good his last time out. I, I didn't even really like it in the Demian Maya fight. So I, I think Robbie Lawler, as long as he can keep this standing, which, I mean, he, he stopped Ben Askren takedowns, I, I think Robbie Lawler's got a real chance here. Uh, in the co event, I'm also going underdog. I'm taking Clay Guida at plus 190 over Jim Miller at negative 175. I, I just really like the trajectory of Guida's career right now. I, I think he, he's been on an uptick. Uh, it, it seems like Alpha Male is really doing wonderful things for his striking game. And I think he's got a slight advantage in the striking here. And you know how it goes with grapplers. Sometimes you get two really good grapplers. It doesn't wind up going to the ground. So I like Clay Guida's underdog here too. And in the third fight, I'm also taking an underdog. I'm taking Kennedy Zuchuku versus Darko Stojsic. Zuchuku currently betting off at about plus 110. Uh, I, I like his power and his athleticism here. I also think his gas tank is probably better than Darko. Darko is getting listed as a favorite here pretty much just based on the Jeremy Kimball fight which lasted 39 seconds and really didn't show as much so I like Zuchuku here instead so I'm going all underdogs here which is Robbie Lawler, Clay Guida, and Kennedy Zuchuku and that's going to do it for another episode of top turtle mma podcast we thank you the fans for listening in we would not have a show if you did not listen in plus we want to thank our sponsors sisu mouthguards ad gay fightwear sheath underwear and maroon social make sure to download the maroon social app plus thank you to flow combat for having us on each and every week we couldn't do what we do without having a platform and flow combat gives us that platform and speaking of platforms head on over to twitter and follow our twitter account at Top Turtle MMA. We've got all kinds of fun things going on there, including some cool giveaways this week, so make sure you are checking that out. I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland, he's Shockwave Dave Tremonti, and we will see you next week.